Hello and welcome to the Middle Ground Podcast, a podcast all about Baker Prairie. I'm your host, Kate Shively, and I also want to welcome you to 2021, a year that is full of hope and maybe some snow this week. Um, but truly, I know that I was looking forward to 2021 just to know that we had closed the chapter of 2020 and being able to look forward to some of those things that we know are coming, like a vaccine and maybe a little bit more of some of that regular life stuff that we have been missing a lot. Been a little off on my recording schedule. I try to release a podcast every other Friday, obviously giving myself time off um, over the holidays. And we got a little off track because December, as a school counselor, December is a crazy month. So many things are happening. There are so many programs happening. It's also a really hard time for people. You may experience that yourself, um, but especially for kids, it's a really stressful time. And so a lot happens in December. And so I decided to allow myself to let this go to the bottom of the priority list so I could deal with those things that were more pressing. And on top of that, we've had construction going on in my home. And so times that I would love to record during the day, there's often been a lot of background noise. And so I haven't been able to just record cleanly. But as of about five minutes ago, we are construction free for a bit. So um, very exciting on a on a personal level, I'm very excited to have that finished. It's nice to feel like something has happened. <laughs> I am going to get back on track. This week's episode obviously is going to come out on a bit of a different schedule. It should have been released on Friday, but again, too much noise going on. And then I needed a break this weekend, um, partially to paint and partially just to take a little bit of relaxation time given the tumultuous start of our 2021. So I will release this episode. It will come out today and then I'll get back on my every other Friday schedule. So I'll have another episode come out next Friday. As I mentioned very briefly, it has been a rough start to 2021 for a lot of us, regardless of any of your thoughts or beliefs or stances, seeing the capital of our country being attacked is a really challenging thing to see and traumatizing. I know it's come up with students at school. They've been traumatized by it. And it just, it makes for a scary time on top of an already really stressful situation of being in a pandemic. And so the thing I want to talk about today before we get to our guest interview is empathy fatigue. So you may be familiar with the term compassion fatigue. Compassion fatigue is something that happens, the fatigue part we all know, right? You feel tired um, and you, you kind of become tired of, of being compassionate. If you think of yourself like a sponge, sponges can only soak up so much liquid before they aren't soaking up any more liquid, right? And so if we're sponges, we can only soak up so many of other people's feelings um, before we can't handle it anymore. And so sometimes it just becomes really exhausting um, to be compassionate, not because anyone's a bad person or doesn't have feelings or is cold hearted, just because you've soaked in too much and you become oversaturated. So empathy burnout is like another strain of compassion fatigue. It's just a little bit more specific. So this is when you are expending the majority of your energy. So that's the emotional energy, physical energy, mental energy to care for others to the point that you just feel exhausted. So you are just pouring out way more than you've got coming in. I'll just keep using water analogies, I guess. So we combine factors like, again, giving out all of that energy to everyone, um, I mean, you're probably taking care of your family, your immediate family, maybe extended family. Um, you're talking about school stuff. Maybe coworkers are needing things from you, maybe friends. Everyone's struggling in some way right now. And so there's a good chance you are giving a lot of energy out to other people. We add to that the fact that we are having chronically elevated levels of stress hormones right now just because of the situation that, that we're in. And those hormones affect us physically, they affect us emotionally, and they affect us mentally, right? So you've got an 
increased levels of cortisol in your system and all of these things together. You combine all of this stuff and we're looking at some emotional dysregulation and being a little bit more reactive than maybe we normally would be if we did not have this amount of stress and this amount of empathy burnout happening. So if I go back to that bucket analogy, there are ways to refill your bucket. So it can feel like the only way to survive right now is to just keep pouring your bucket out, um, even if nothing is coming in. But there are ways that you can, little small things that you can do to help refill your bucket so you're able to make it. We can see that light at the end of the tunnel now. We know there's a vaccine coming. It may be being distributed slowly, but distribution is happening. And so we are on our way to getting back some degree of normalcy. And in the meantime, you don't have to suffer feeling exhausted, feeling emotionally just drained and dysregulated. There are things that you can do to help with that. So one thing I I talk a lot about with your students, making sure that you are doing temperature checks with them regularly. That is also something you can do for yourself. And I recommend, I mean, setting an alarm every day to check in with yourself. So you're going to ask yourself, okay, how am I doing? What do I need? Do I need to hit the reset button? Um, Do I have the capacity to be there for someone right now? So if, you know, if you're saying like, no, I don't have the capacity to be for be there for someone right now if they need something, the next question is, okay, what do I do to make sure I, I get to that place? Um, or if you're asking yourself, what do I need right now? Maybe it's something as simple like you need five minutes of quiet to just sip a cup of coffee in silence and not have anyone ask you anything, right? So it can be little things. It may not, it may not be something huge, but these are check-ins you should be doing with yourself regularly. Another thing is having boundaries. So this can be very challenging in a time when we just feel like we need to support each other. We're all we're all treading water and hoping to just kind of make it through. But these boundaries are important, not only for you, but for the people around you. When we don't have boundaries and we just give and give and give, resentment starts to grow. And so you see that negativity build and start to take over. And that's not healthy for anyone. It's not healthy for you. It's not helpful or healthy for the people that you interact with. And so you wanna make sure you are setting those boundaries for everyone involved. It also keeps you from taking on someone else's, and if we use another analogy, that's not water, right? So um, if someone's got an issue, they, they put it in their backpack. So we've got this emotional backpack of something. You may be picking up their emotional backpack and keeping them from being able to, like learn that resilience of being able to handle that issue themselves. So they are not going to have the personal growth that they could have if they were carrying their own backpack. So it's important to have boundaries for that reason also. You can definitely be with the person who is having these emotions that needs help, but you do not need to feel their emotions for them. And the last little thing is just incorporate one simple act of self-care into your routine every single day. So like, you know, maybe it's that cup of coffee that you have and you get that chunk of time protected to just have your cup of coffee. Um, maybe you're a bubble bath person. Maybe you are someone who needs to like sit down for a few minutes and make a list of things you're grateful for. Maybe that's your self-care. Or you know, maybe it's fixing your hair, or putting makeup on, whatever it is. You need to make sure that you have that built into your day because the better place you are in, mentally, emotionally, even physically, the better you are for everyone else around you. So those are a few things you can add in to make sure that you are maintaining your own health in all aspects. If you find that you are maybe feeling some empathy burnout or compassion fatigue because you're taking on too much yourself, maybe you're a caregiver. As a middle child, I feel often that it is my role to be checking in with everyone constantly and making sure everyone is okay. And that is a really hard burden to carry in a time like this. I mean, it's hard on a regular on a regular day. And then in a time where we're in a pandemic, we're in a... Um, kind of political unrest, a time of political unrest that everyone is aware of now with all the with all the access 
that we have to what's going on at all times, it's very important that we are caring for ourselves in those ways. And um, one thing we talk about often is how self-care can feel selfish. Like there are bigger things going on. There are people who have lost their homes. There are people who can't afford food, who have lost loved ones. Um, those are really big things. And so sometimes it can seem like, well, I don't, I don't need self-care. You know, I'm just, I'm making sure all three of my kids are logged in every day while doing my job and making sure food's on the table and all that stuff. That, that's, you know, that's small compared to someone who is now houseless and has food insecurity. And while that perspective, I think, is it's good to have to know, like to come from a place of gratitude, know what, what you have to be grateful for. It's also really important to understand that doing self-care so that you can help the people around you is not a selfish thing. It is a healthy thing to do. On the topic of, you know, empathy and compassion and gratitude, mental health, all of those things, um, today's interview is with our own health teacher, Mrs. Conklin. So we recorded this before the break, and I'm excited to play it for you. I think it's not only really relevant, but it's really good information. And so I'm so excited to play this interview for you. I hope you enjoy. So welcome to our guest today. We have Emily Conklin. So thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Very excited. And just to start us off here, tell us a little about yourself, um, you know, particularly what it is you do at Baker Prairie. All right. Well, this is my second year at Baker Prairie, my eighth year teaching total, and I am this year a seventh and eighth grade health teacher. A little bit of everything. Yeah. Kidding. And last year when we were in person, you taught eighth grade health. So this yep. year you expanded a little bit. Yep. Okay. So health, health is a big umbrella topic. It covers a lot of things. So what drew you to that subject area? I think because when I was thinking about, I always knew I wanted to be a teacher, but I wasn't sure really what I wanted to teach. And I thought back to like when I was in middle school and high school and in high school, my favorite teachers were the health teachers and I learned the most in their classes. And that's what I thought was the most interesting. And then I thought back to middle school and I don't remember (laughs) ever having health in middle school. We might've, maybe we did, maybe we didn't, but I don't remember it. So that kind of, made me want to be a middle school health teacher to have that impact so people can remember, oh, I did do health in middle school and I remember my middle school health teacher and we did learn a lot. So that's kind of my inspiration for it. Yeah. You have me now thinking back and I can remember sixth grade. That's when they had our first sex ed unit. And so Mm -hmm. it got all kinds of awkward. And then I remember high school, but I too, I don't remember that gap. Yeah, no, it was uh, fifth grade when we started talking about the talk, and then after that, it was just high school, so I don't really remember anything in the middle. Great. Well, we're very glad to have you here at Baker Prairie. Um, So, yeah, I mean, so big thing, so for you, part of that was just wanting to have it be impactful because, I would guess partially because this age, so much is happening, especially at middle school age when it comes to growing up and forming who they are. Um, This is, like, a really important time in their lives, so... Like, as you think about it, um, maybe this year or just even any year, what is the most relevant topic that you've taught so far, or maybe one of the most important topics you think that you've taught in health so far? I think the biggest is kind of with mental health and self-image and emotions kind of all wrapped together, because at this age, you know, you're growing and changing and going through puberty, and, you know, you're your brain is literally growing right now. It's And as a teenager, besides when you're little, is when your brain is growing the most 
in your entire life. And so these kids have all these thoughts and emotions and feelings that they've never had before. And they're confused and frustrated and sad and mad and happy. And I think just kind of helping them guide or helping guide them through that time is just really helpful in explaining things. And I hear a lot of like, oh, that's why I feel that way. Or, oh, that's why that makes sense. Um, because they've never really talked about it or thought about it that way before. And a lot of them feel kind of isolated and they think they're the only ones going through it. And then they realize it's normal and it's age appropriate. Um, and it's a lot of fun conversations that we have. That makes sense too, because they know what they're feeling, but don't know exactly what it is. So you're able to kind of shine a light on even just the vocabulary of Mm -hmm. what's going on. And then some of that developmental stuff, I bet that is really cool. Yeah. It's been really fun. (laughs) So what is the topic, um, as you think about what you talk about in class and some of those fun conversation, what, when, when it comes to the mental health piece, what are, what's the topic that like usually sparks the most conversation or the most aha moments for kids? I think if we're talking about like mental health, it's usually about kind of de- usually around depression and anxiety because this is the age where a lot of people see the onset of it and the kids are starting to feel that overwhelming sadness or feeling super anxious and kind of defining what's normal for being you know sad or upset compared to depression and feeling a little anxious or stressed that's normal compared to having anxiety and I've had a lot of kids reach out about wanting more resources for these things because especially right now during COVID, they're feeling extra anxious and extra depressed. Um, and those have, those conversations have been really eye-opening, but they're really, um, really important. And I'm really glad that we're able to talk about them. Absolutely. So if you say your health class was filled with parents um, tomorrow and you got to talk to them and tell them what you think is the most important thing they should know about their students, mental health in middle school, what would you tell the parents? I would say just to have open conversations with your kids um, because that's the most important thing. And the kids need consistency also and knowing that people care about them. So that's a lot of things wrapped in one. Um, I would say the biggest thing is showing that you care and knowing that the kids have someone knowing they know that they have someone in their corner rooting for them because things are going to get hard. And a lot of times they feel isolated and alone. And so that's the biggest thing I think is knowing that they have someone in their corner to be there to support them and help them. One thing I noticed that comes up a lot too is like you add in all the things that you're talking about, all those things are happening at this time for our students. And then also that big theme of comparison. And so, um, you know, they're connecting with each other and they're, they're learning about themselves, but they're also constantly, it seems like, comparing themselves to each other. And, and what does that person have? What does that person do? Um, and social media as well. What effect do you think that has on mental health? And how does that, how do you see that whenever you talk about it in class? So I think that has a huge impact, especially in middle school. And um, a lot of kids are trying to kind of figure out their place in school and in their social groups. And kind of trying to figure out who they are you know they were in elementary and they had this identity and now they're in middle school and there's new people and new faces and I feel like it's a really hard time and they're trying to figure out who they are um and I forgot the rest of your question if you want to repeat it (laughs) I wonder what you what you thought there like the that component of comparison which is normal at this Mm -hmm. age like what effect that has on mental health Oh, yeah, I think it has a big impact, like I was saying. So the kids are, you know, trying to figure out who they are. And I think 
during that process, they compare themselves a lot to other people, um, especially when you have a bunch of new people from different elementary schools and you're all together for the first time in middle school. And um, I think comparing yourself to other people is um, a little bit dangerous because we're all unique and special in our own ways. And when we compare ourselves, we kind of focus on things that we're not instead of things that we do have and that we're really good at. And so I think it is, I think it does play a huge impact in mental health. And I think that's why we talk about it in class too, because kids don't really realize they're doing it all the time. And then we talk about making a positive and a negative list and how much easier it is to make a negative list. And they really struggle with the positives and what they're good at. And they just want to compare themselves to others and kind of say, well, I don't have this like this person and I can't do this like this person. And then I think it honestly has a very, very big impact on mental health. Well, I like, and that does connect back to what you would say to parents too, about just having them feel like someone's in their corner because if they're out here all day and, and that's part of, you know, the, and running in the back of their mind is as a comparison, it probably would be nice to go home and feel like someone's in your corner kind of no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. But I think this is kind of a tangent. I think that's something though, that you also do very well as a teacher. And that's something I've noticed, um, like we hear it from students when they're talking about being in your class. I think we had a meeting last week, you and I were both in, where a parent um, was was talking about this and just the way that you are able to create a classroom environment that's super welcoming to students. They want to be there. They feel connected. Um, How do you do that? (laughs) And for you, why is that important that students feel that way in your class? I think, first off, the biggest thing is kids are only going to learn if they feel like they're respected and they're appreciated in their environment. And so for me, academics come second to the relationships piece. And I think I have to build that trust with the kids and that rapport. And I don't, I don't really know how I do it. I feel like I just come at them and I'm, I'm real and I am who I am. I don't try to act like a different person outside of school than when I'm in school. Um, and I think that they can see that, that I'm being genuine and I'm being real and I sincerely do care about them and their well-being. And I think that's why the kids do so well in my class and they like coming to my class, not because I'm teaching all these really crazy, awesome things. It's because they genuinely feel and know that I care about them and I want them here. Um, and I think that's, that's probably why. All right. Well, thank you so much. Um, like I said, health is one of those really big topics that cover so many things. And I, I may be biased, but I agree that mental health is such a huge component and being able to get into that with an entire student body and um, like help them understand themselves better and understand each other better, I think is so important. So thank you for all that work you do. Yes, of course. So we also have, we are now on to our segment here called The Gauntlet. So I'm going to ask you a series of questions um, and we'll see what you say. All right, I'm ready. All right. So what is your favorite breakfast food? Oh, um, bacon and hash browns with a little gravy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what is your favorite winter tradition? Ooh, probably Christmas morning, sitting in my matching pajamas with my family, drinking a hot chocolate and listening to Christmas music. Oh, that sounds amazing. Um, so what show do you binge watch most often? Oh, hands down The Office. I've probably watched it like 37 times. My husband is super over it. I am never going to be over it. So that's all I watch is The Office usually. You're the same. And so I wasn't going to ask you this before, and I will now knowing this. Which, <laughs> which Office couple was the best? Is it Jim and Pam or Dwight and Angela? Oh, Jim and Pam for sure. <laughs> oh, 
Love that show. Um, describe your middle school self in three words. Oh my gosh. Awkward, shy, uh, pretty much awkward and shy. And I was super, I would say nerdy, like full on nerdy. I didn't talk to anybody and I was really shy. And then I would cry if I got a B. I never did, but I was a straight A student and that's all I cared about. <laughs> Trying to imagine a shy Miss Conklin and I, I can't do it. So it's nope. amazing how people change over time. <laughs> Very much. Okay, and the last question on the record here. Should we have a designated nap time at school? And this is for staff and students, a designated nap time. 100%. Absolutely. Naps are so important. Statistically proven that 15, 20 minute naps during the day will increase productivity. So I'm all about it. I think there was a trend for a minute there where they were doing nap pods. Do you remember that? I haven't heard about nap pods. I think it happened in Portland. There was one pod company and it didn't last very long. But I do think that, I also think that naps are important. And we are 100%. Every person I've interviewed has said, yes, let's get us some nap time. So I'm all about a nap. <laughs> Those are some great tips from Mrs. Conklin. So good to have her on. We have a couple of Baker Prairie announcements here. So this year, 2021, we are going to have a new segment starting with one of our teachers who is also the parent of a middle schooler. So get excited for that in our next episode. We are also coming up to the end of our semester. So February 8th is grade day, which means February 5th is the last day to get those assignments in. So you wanna make sure that if your student is behind, they are keeping up with their daily work. We definitely need to have them maintaining their current work. And then also adding in a couple of late assignments every day if they have those as well. Since this is my first podcast since December, I do want to say thank you so much and just give a huge shout out to everyone who helped make the Giving Tree successful this year. It is a really big project and we just couldn't make it happen without community support, school support, I mean everything. So thank you to all who donated. Thank you to all who helped me organize it. I know front office staff, I mean they are vital to helping get everything finished um, and gathering that information and Thank you also to Bloom and Boutique. Specifically, that is an organization that for the last couple of years has really supported in making sure students have clothes. It's a great organization. So thank you all. I know I appreciate it. I know the families that benefited also appreciate it. So let's end on a high note. This week's high note comes to us all the way from Spain. So a startup company in Spain has launched the world's first piano that is made from living plants. So this instrument uses flora as biological antennas capable of perceiving changes in frequency when they are touched. So when the flora are touched, that change in frequency turns into voltage and that's conducted by the plants because they are natural conductors of electricity. So then that voltage is transformed into sound and activates the input of current from that electrical network into the circuit which then results in a magical show of light and music. Yes, folks, it's a piano and also has a light show built in. So this installation was created by a biotech company from Spain that makes electricity from nature. In an interview, the CEO, Pablo Vidarte, says that the response has been overwhelmingly positive to this and that multiple show studies show that engaging with plants has a positive impact on humans from an emotional 
and psychological perspective. And we all know that to be true. I mean, you see the number of folks who have started gardening and um, all the articles about, you know, what plants to have in your home and why it's important to have plants in your home. We are so aware in this time of trying to keep ourselves healthy in any way that we can, how important plants are. So this company aims to create a global consciousness of nature that helps lead the way to a greener future. So the Green Piano was launched in August and we're actually going to listen to what it sounds like. you to search that on YouTube and watch the video. It is amazing. So if you search the green piano of the future is made of plants, you'll be able to find that video and listen and no plants were harmed in the making of that music. Well, that is it for this episode. Thank you again, Mrs. Conklin, for taking time to talk with me. Thank you to Brent for the music. And also thank you to the ancient Egyptians who decided to squeeze some sap from a plant, mix it with some other stuff to create the first marshmallow so I can have mini marshmallows in my hot cocoa like a small child. So stay warm out there. And as we always say, stay kind, Baker Prairie.